What's up, everyone? Welcome to my corner of the internet. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and this is Crossover Commerce, presented by Ping Pong Payments, the leading global payments provider helping sellers keep more of their hard-earned money. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Crossover Commerce. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and this is my literal corner of the internet where I bring the best and brightest of the Amazon and e-commerce space. I say literal because I'm here in a corner of an office in my studio at home. So that's where this podcast kind of generated from. And that's the uh, where I like to have people on like our guests today. We have people on who are experts in the Amazon and e-commerce space, experts who have people who've walked the walk and talked the talk. What you're going to learn from every episode, again, this is episode 220 of our beautiful podcast that we started way back in 2020 or end of 2020, I should say, we did this to give an educational component of what's going on in the Amazon and e-commerce world, give an unbiased perspective, but just a little learn a little bit more from those people who've done those great things in the Amazon e-commerce world. So if you're a beginner seller or if you're an expert that's looking to potentially grow internationally, this is the podcast for you. I say expert, person who's looking to build a brand and, and really take on uh, a new walk of life and in a new and a new business world. So that's why this podcast exists. And believe it or not, it's interactive. So if you're watching us live on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, or Twitter, feel free to send in your questions to myself or our guest. As always, you can just submit those in the comment section. We see those. You just throw them up on the screen and we'll make sure we can answer any applicable questions. Or if you just want to say hi, that's always nice too. So if you're listening to us on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, or Twitter, give us a thumbs up. Let us know you're listening and answer or send us off your questions if you catch us live. Or on the on the uh, flip side, if you don't catch us live, watch the replay later on, whether you're on the West Coast or somewhere else around the world. Just tag us and we'll make sure that we get your questions answered. But as always, every episode of Crossover Commerce is presented by ping pong payments who's ping pong payments well we are a global cross-border payments solution helping sellers keep more of their hard-earned money whether that be paying out suppliers and manufacturers you're working in chinese new year just got uh is just wrapping up so you might be negotiating with your supplier manufacturer um overseas or you're looking to um bring on new product and launch new products this year in 2022 if you're looking to do that, it's actually more simple, simplistic, and you save time, money, and effort when you use a solution like Ping Pong Payments by paying out in localized currency. You get your money to them quicker, it's safer, and it's a lot more cost-effective. So that being said, it's free to sign up. Just go to usa.pingpongx.com forward slash podcast for all of our favorite episodes as well as signing up for free. Go ahead and check it out today. Um, that being said, um, just kind of... Recapping real quick, this is episode 220. So every episode on here, we bring on a fantastic number of guests. We teased a little bit that there was going to be two people on today. Unfortunately, one of our guests, uh, Sebastian, he just had some internet connectivity issues. So we uh, have to have him on the sideline today. So, But we have uh, our original guest here as well. He is the CEO, uh, excuse me, he's the co-founder of the business Axel Club. If you haven't heard of them, they're one of the emerging uh, brand acquirers, aka aggregators in the space, located from different parts of the world. Um, I've talked to their team before in different parts, such as Russia. He, or uh, the co-founder Nick, is actually going to be a, joining us today from Amsterdam. So that being said, a global e-commerce world is truly the case here um, today, and we're going to be talking about uh, what we've called this episode: How to Win Market Share and Deal with the Current E-Commerce Challenges. And who better to do that than their co-founder? Like I said, Nick 
of Axel Club. Nick, thank you so much for hopping on Crossover Commerce. Yeah, hi, Ryan. It's a really, really a pleasure to be here and share like uh, ideas, thoughts, and our expertise. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Yeah, thanks for hopping on today. No, um, I I was getting to know you a little bit about uh, about you pre-show, but I just want to uh, kind of open up the proverbial floor for you, if you will. Uh, if no one's have, have heard of you, which you seem to have a lot of followers and a lot of thought leadership going around uh, LinkedIn and a lot of other channels. You've done a lot of great businesses and uh, have exited your own businesses, but I'm just kind of curious to hear from you. What's that background for you? Yeah, so uh, in terms of good round, this was I would say like pretty, pretty like straightforward. So I was very good at math and, and physics at school. Uh, like, like actually winning like several like international competition in that. So that's why I joined like the uh, technology university, have my, my my major like in physics. But after that, it's like for some part of the um, academic background, like guys like joined like BCG uh, in Moscow office, work like for different industries, for different like great like strategy and operational projects. And after just wanted to explore more like startup world, startup space, and join like as the managing director of one of the biggest uh, bus trans transportation marketplace in Eastern Europe. And yeah, after like four years, we sold that to a uh, French unicorn, blah blah car. Uh, they were doing like carpooling, and after that like, successful integration, I just like wanted to start something new, and uh, this is where I uh, like like we joined forces with my current co-founder Max, uh, who has also like great background in e-commerce space, was the founder of uh, a food delivery company, and uh, then it became like one of the biggest uh, food delivery company in Eastern Europe. And right now it's like valued at uh, to that point to to that five uh, uh, billion dollars. So yeah, maybe join our forces and start like Excel Club. Uh, in terms of, like why this story, why Amazon, all that stuff. Just maybe a little bit more about this. We do believe that like every every space that is getting more and more mature. Uh, it's just like by default, like the, the market share of the systematic players will increase. And this is what we believe, yeah, and this is like what our bet is. We don't believe that we are the best like M&A guy in the world. We are the best like investment bankers, or we don't believe that we are the best like Amazon like seller right now. But what we believe that we are really great like at building systematic players, meaning like great teams, great tools, great processes to succeed in some markets. And we do believe that e-commerce today with all the challenges and all the opportunities is the space where the market share of Systematic player is is really low, and I don't, there was time then in the US there was like around dozen thousands of uh, banks. Yeah, but right now we don't have that like even like two or three, four, five thousand banks. Like, uh, so it's usually as the industry is getting more and more mature, the market share of the uh, systematic players is, is growing. So this way we believe that we are playing. Definitely we do believe that uh, like. Uh, small and mid-sized like entrepreneurs and uh, sellers, they will be there, but they're just like market share will, will decrease or, like in, in five, 10 years from now. Um, so yeah, so that's why we chose this uh, space. Uh, we, we have like that uh, deep uh, expertise in Amazon 
previously. But as I said, like uh, this is not what we play here. We believe that we can be uh, more than capable to build a like, great team, great processes, great tools to really succeed in this uh, very challenging. But from from one perspective, from from the other perspective, very um, exciting space. No, that's amazing. Well, what uh, I think so. You said you most of the team there has operated or ran or even exited other own businesses. Is that correct? Or a lot of people have just operated their own brands under their own guys, is that yeah, correct? So, so, uh, talking about like our top team, about our like executives, yeah? Yes. So it, it's more about like me and Max, yeah, when, like we were uh, previously like exiting some businesses, but the other part of the team, they were like more the, the part of the some tech uh, startups. So they, they were like building like great tools and, and, and big teams for like food delivery or for uh, like, uh, like for example, some some other like e-commerce businesses. So they were like in this roles. So yes, I'm like, we have like, that's like, uh, just, like, there is some guys like our competitors or like the other aggregators, yeah? They saying that they are buying cash flows, but what we believe that we are buying like 24 seven days like job, yeah? So, and uh, we like believe that we are more like operator, we want, like investment fund. And this like what, what I would say like different RS and, and what like our main expert is that our top team and our even like our VP of acquisition, this is the guy who were in BCG also, but he also were like the he was also was the um, COO for the other like startup. So he also has like this operational background, which is very important when you're like buying businesses to better understand what is like uh, uh, what's going on around yeah so it's not just like irr or some like cash flows or whatever it's more about like, to feel the operations behind that e-commerce business so, so i said like, like we have the, that muscle in operations in our top team in, in our like uh like the rest of the team yeah right that makes sense so so you guys are kind of banking on that that expertise on the background and that's just is it really focused on so is Axel Club, so that that this iteration, obviously you saw there's a lot of competition, clearly everyone tells yeah. like there's like 80, uh, 90, maybe even 100 businesses that are quote unquote under this model, if you will. Um, what, what makes it, uh, so I guess like in that yeah. regards, what is going to be that distinguishing factor? Is it going to, besides operations, is it going to be predominantly Amazon businesses? Are you looking more D to C? What, what is that yeah, really yeah. big focus for you guys? Are you staying agnostic category wise? Are you really honing in? What, Kind of explain for people who are listening today what what that breakdown yeah. is for you. Yeah, so I would we'll say like in this regard, in terms of criteria and our focus, we are pretty pretty like straightforward. So we're definitely looking for first of all like Amazon brands. So like 60-70% of revenue should be like from Amazon. Either it's like North America or Europe, we don't care that much about that. But yeah, but it's like six seventy percent should be from Amazon. We're more than happy if there is like any D2C or Chewy or eBay or whatever. To also like to buy that portion of the business, and but, but for example for D two C we want like um, uh, offer some like let's say D two C multipliers yeah so it will be like uh, assessed also as the part of the overall cash flow that, that Amazon has. In terms of, like the category, definitely uh, here we like, have our own like uh, understanding. So we are trying to avoid like fully supplements. Why? Because on the FTC, FDA, like also like doing something there. Yeah, this is the first one. The second one, due to like really high margins, the uh, like let's say the 
a penetration of black hat tactics are really high there. So that's why we I'm like we just like believe that we would like to stay like from that space like for for a while. And also we do understand that we are buying here some kind of like uh, great position like they are organic or like like uh, red CDRs and conversion rates, which means like we should like be more cautious with the products which are which have like shorter life cycle. So for example, we are not doing any like fast fashion because we don't understand that to be successful there, you need much deeper uh, product expertise. The same is with, for example, uh, heavily R&D products like electronics, like headphones or whatever. So you also need to be like much more like a engineer, engineer, like you have more engineers in the team or need to, to better understand like uh, and there, you know, to be successful there. So this is why we try to stay away from like the supplements space, uh, heavily R and D products, and also fast fashion. Everything else we really like. What we love is like art supply, pet supply, home and kitchens for some numbers. It's like our four like uh, per like the main priority uh, categories, and like uh, eighty percent of our current brands are in these categories. And yeah, so this is what we like. So where, where it is, that, that's great to understand. And how many brands are we operating today as Axel Club? Is it, is it something that you tout publicly or is that something that you yeah, so keep in mind? There's like number of brands, I'm not disclosing that. And I didn't believe that it's like a real like a measure because, you know, it's like you have, we're buying like some brands were like 3 million in revenue, some of them are 20 million in revenue. So it's like not comparable. Sure. But I'm not going to share you saying that the first one, uh, we are operating there like 1,300 uh, products. So this is like our current portfolio. Uh, like 75-80% of sales like are in the US and 15 like in, uh, yeah, so like there's like, I guess like 8-10 in Canada and the rest like in Europe, um, in like UK and Germany. And in terms of like the uh, overall like, like revenue, yeah, it's, it's closer to 100 million. So this is where we are right now. Wow. Well, that that's that brings up a great point, Nick. Do you, do you feel that a lot of the statistics that get thrown out in the space, whether it be, hey, how many brands do either you run or operate or any business might run or operate, is that misleading in terms of the quantity metrics of, hey, like you mentioned before, one brand might only operate 500,000 yeah. in revenue, but one brand might also do 20 million in revenue. So mm -hmm. there is no really great comparison in terms of what one brand operating revenue Truly yeah, yeah, represents. It's like we see some of the competitors they buy a little like like brands which has like let's say one million in revenue, and like we're not looking at that because we don't believe that our overheads will like repay that. So we have like usually after the acquisition from day one, there's like at least like four people that work with the brand on our side. And we need to pay like salaries, all of that stuff. And when you buy a brand, you usually like base it on SD or EBITDA, as we call that, mm -hmm. which is not including just like four or five people. And which means like, for example, if you bought like some, some brand, it has, for example, 1 million in revenue and there's like 200K like in uh, SD or EBITDA, as we call that. And you put like 100 like K in, in uh, overhead. It's, it's mean you at least need to grow it twice to be at that EBITDA that you that you bought that you bought that yeah mm. this is the first one so and and then you also would like to grow because like you, you need business to grow so it just put much more pressure for the smaller brands you know to grow because of overheads 
And this is why we're not like, like looking at the brands like with 1 million, we're more looking like at least like two and a half, three million in revenue per year. And our sweet spot is like around five to 10 million. This is like what brands we would like because they, they have like a lot of potential to grow from one perspective. From the other, there's like enough traction already to say that it's successful and you can put really a good team there that you can really pay greatly and like to, to push the business further. And in terms of like, but there is like some, some of our competitors that are doing like only like 20, 50 million deals. So they even not like buying like 5 million or 2 million uh, brands like uh, in annual revenue. So I do know that even though you saw, said that there's like around 80 or 90 different players, I'm like every time I speak to someone, we so different in our approaches, we so different like speaking about operations, about like criteria, about like targets. And it's like, I do believe that the first word any seller who, who would like to sell their business should ask themselves which of these aggregators are really good fit. Yeah, so so this is like a, a good question. And in terms of like like just saying that you said like there's competition, just yeah, I'm like when we're looking at the market, the macro net numbers, there is like around three billion, uh, 390 billion uh, dollars of GMV for third party sellers last year. And we are assessing that the worth of the sellers that uh, all these aggregators could buy is around, let's say, 80, 85 billion. And it's growing because each year, maybe you've seen like on the marketplace pulse, the uh, article that the number of sellers who are selling like at least at 1 million uh, per year doubled for the last three years, which means if you just like take mathematically that aggregators are not buying that fast uh, like like brands that, are, that they are coming to the market. So the market is growing faster than the aggregators just like buying brands, yeah? Which means like there is like, uh, definitely there's competition for great brands, but there is like not that, uh, let's say like limited supply of the great brands, yeah? Because if you're comparing like 14 billion that were invested in the, in the space to 80 billion of this like worth of brands, it's definitely significant like portion, but it's not in a half of what we all can buy on the market. So that's why I'm saying that definitely we see some competition, but it's not that radical or aggressive that one can believe and they see that 14 billion just like came to the market, but it's like 8 billion or at least like 100 billion markets. So it's, it's, it's significant numbers and absolute numbers, but it's not like that significant comparing to the whole market. So how, how are you measuring market share? I, I guess in that capacity, are you measuring it per category or are you measuring it per yeah. just total GMV that like um, per, per country? How are you guys at team? No. Max, yeah. How are you measuring yeah. it? Yeah. When we're operating that, I'm like, we are just like, we do understand that we are not the company that generate traffic. We're more working with, with the traffic that is on Amazon, mm -hmm. which means we definitely need to make sure that we understand our market share and we're tracking that because this is what matters. Because if tomorrow we have like, let's say, two times lower sales in absolute numbers, but it's the same market share that we had like two weeks ago, then it's okay. But if, for example, we grew like, like for like, like 40%, but the market grew like for 80%, which means we are losing our market share. It's, it's, it's really bad. So this is why we, we definitely we are looking at the absolute numbers, but we're tracking market share and we're tracking market share in the product niches. 
So there's like some, we have like brands which has a lot of like uh, substitution products, yeah? So we need to make sure that there's a situation that one of our, our products is just like getting better, 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 and the other just losing the market share. So we just need to make sure that we take the product niche and understand how, let's say, all this, like whatever, let's say six or seven or eight ACs that are relevant to this product niche are performing all together. So what's our market share in this product niche? Yeah. So for some brands, for some products, it could be like only one ASIN, but I'm like for our, I would say like half a portfolio, there's like at least two, three, five ASINs that are targeting the same product niche. And we are measuring the total market share of this like five, six, seven, ASINs comparing to the market. Gotcha. So what what is that goal for you? If that is that goal going to change depending on just because there's so much ebb and flow with new product iterations um new products coming to market and whatnot is there holistically a generic category or you, you said it's more on an eastern level is there is there more of a generalized metric that you're trying to achieve though is that i, I just want to make sure that everyone's understanding that yeah yeah you know, it's like from our perspective like we're not like let's say definitely when we started this business we there was this like idea that maybe it's better to focus on niches that are that has like a very unique product yeah sure and buying like brands that have unique products but in end of the day we just understand that 90 percent of amazon or even like 95 percent of amazon like products they are very generic and in in this business like private business what really matters like two factors the first one is cost of goods sold you just need to make sure that every week you're working on that, that it's like you're keeping that lower because otherwise you just become like uh, really uh, like you have a competitive disadvantage. You, 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 you're not competitive. And from the other perspective, you need to make sure that you have trust with all this like inside or it's like conversion rates and CTRs because like everything is connected to CTRs and conversion rates. Performance marketing, organic, whatever. So from our perspective, like this market share, what we're trying to measure, this like product niche, is like we need to make sure that in this like 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 demand that is coming to the to Amazon and people wanting something, with this like group of products, like six or seven ASINs, we are targeting the most like we have like a great CTR in conversion rates. So and like every time we see the the, the boost, we're doing something okay. Some of the Asians, they just like better performing in organic, which means we have like better CRs or, or conversion rates. Or for example, if we negotiate better prices or have some more margins on the cox side, we invest in that in performance part. So we get more, more paid traffic and we just like have more market share. So, and for us, it's very important to, to make sure that this market share will not like growing at any cost. So how it compared to, 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 to our like margin, yeah? So definitely like with less margin, you can have more, like like bigger market share. And with like uh, uh, like, like, like uh, higher margin, you can have less market share. So we also try to, to, to find the optimum for us where we have like at least some health margins and we're pushing our market share the most yeah no that makes sense what so in, in your regards I, I i kind of always ask this question and a lot of people might have this thought as well why not take these great minds and build out your own kind of brand ecosystem and launch these products or competing yeah. ones or ones yeah. that are going to penetrate the market 
why wouldn't a company do that instead of purchasing and then having to be on the hook for millions of dollars and then growing it from there? Why not organically do that? Yeah, yeah like a very good question. Like we asked that ourselves like before we started this business. And for us, like the answer was very like straightforward. We would like to be and have scale in like one or two years. We wouldn't like to have scale in five or ten years. So right. we definitely understand that we can like launch a lot, etc. But there's like two questions. The first one, do you have expertise and process and tools to launch great products? And the second one, in which time you would like to have scale to really have opportunity to invest in all the infrastructure? And for us, the answer was very simple. And just, okay, buy, and like, like first of all, like, like just to really like, like uh, understand that we don't believe that any aggregator who will not like be able to launch new products will be like alive in two or three years. So we didn't believe that like just buying brands is there is like any end game, yeah? So we don't believe in that. So we do believe that every aggregator will try to launch brand and only that who will be successful in this, they will really survive. Because M&A is good, but the mix of M&A and launching you know, new, new products, there should be like some, some healthy mix. Why? Because like when we look at the sellers, we see that it's, it's very easy to, to, to see that in their PL that 30, 40, 50% of their growth are coming from new products. Which means if they are not launching new products, we are dead, like in two, three, four years. So I mean, for us, it's just obvious that we will do that. The question whether we would like to do that from scratch or having some scale, having some like resources, already having some brands, having some team in place, and then based on that, using that as a launch pad to, 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 to launch like some great new products in new niches, in which we believe like also there will be like some trends, some, some demand there. So um, yeah, so, so the, the answer to your question is like scale and like timing. Yeah, so it's like, like having opportunity to do that faster. Right. Well, I think, I think a lot of people, um, we've had, um, for example, Elevate Brands on, for example, and I think they put it really well as saying, hey, you're almost paying for the people to to start the process quicker. Um, you're taking yeah. it over and you can optimize, and that's what a lot of brand companies, maybe like an, uh, an Axel Club, is going to be doing is to accelerate it once it's you know become viable in the market. So launching the iterations and things like that, how, how often, and I'm curious from your perspective, how long when you're acquiring brands or businesses, how long do you think products are viable on a market as is? When, once you acquire them, is there is yeah, there an if, if you exclude like fast fashion, heavily R and D products and supplements, I do believe that it's more about like from three to six years, like like in, 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 in on average, there is something that will be like there even for seven eight years. There will be something that will be like last like one two year, but on average, I guess the the, the distribution will be around like four or five six years. It's like what we believe. That's on launch product too. It's probably re retiring of the product and its discontinuation. That's what you're thinking of. Once it's launched, it's got to be three to six years or so. That uh, I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm not talking about like when it's starting generating some significant revenue. Ah, uh, like gotcha. One hundred, whatever. Okay, and to, to the level when it will be uh, less than twenty percent at the peak. 
Yeah, gotcha. so this like, this pla plateau, or it's not like a plateau, it's just like this, yeah, it's really like, like growing and like decreasing. So it's around like, we do look at from three to six years from this like where, like we have like analytics, we like parse like all Amazon, just like trying to also like figure out that, like building like cohorts. And what you see right now, it's like from three to six years, it was this like plateau around like four and fifth years, yeah. Right, so so the, the goal in mind for Axel Club is to take that growth aspect and do really make a is is it going to be more brand focused and forward, or is it more of the operation side that you guys feel like is is going to be leading the way for you guys? Yeah, it was like there, there's two types of products that, that we are buying. Yeah, I believe that on the market is the same. This structure of the market. There's like commodity type, and there is like more brandy stuff, and we like both because with commodity we do understand that as far as we're in the top on the Amazon, we are growing with the market. The more market is growing, we more growing. But you can't do like TikTok or you can't do like external traffic or whatever because it just doesn't make any sense from an economic perspective. But there's also like I said, like branding stuff. And we also like have a little brand, a little like products that are actually brands because there's like this emotional stuff and there's like you can do something not only about price, but also about like perception, about marketing side of the product. So I mean we, we were working with the Bose and we didn't believe that in let's say in e-commerce and in the future e-commerce. There would be like that big split between commodities and, and, and brand stuff. I do believe that every, every like, like systematic player or aggregator or like just organic seller, they will have like both and com commodity type products and also brand type products. What we need to make sure that we are not investing in branding for the commodity products because it's just like, um, it's definitely like negative uh, return on investment, yeah? And otherwise, yeah, so we're not treating like branding stuff as the commodity, because while we will be like pushing on Amazon, the other guys with the same product will go to TikTok or to other media and they will get traffic because they do understand that this is something that you can have traffic there and not here. So it's for us, it's more about like, okay, to be really, really clear about like whether this product is like commodity type or brand, and then it has like a different strategy inside us, inside our processes and team. But I'm like, we're not saying that, okay, we're only like brand play, or we're only like quality play. I mean, we didn't say that it has like its pluses and minuses there and here. So, yeah. What What's the challenges, Nick, that no one's talking about in the aggregator world right now? Like, what are the major challenges that keep you up at night or have the one, have those, if anything truly happens in yeah. this category, we're in big trouble. Like, what what, what is that big Thing that no one's talking about right now there's like i would say like definitely we uh as a aggregator first of all we are the seller so i do believe that we are encountering all the same pro problems that and issues that the other sellers are encountering whether it's like a small or big or medium and I mean, everyone knows about supply chain everyone knows about everything about like advertising on amazon yeah so just like uh, expensive seller. um for us Maybe something more interesting about like uh, our operations here, just like to give more insight about our work. Mm, the big challenge is how to deal with all this like southern escalators. Because when you are a, a, a small team with an entrepreneur like as a lead, uh, definitely you can pay a lot of attention to different details. Definitely, you have like that's access to the funding that we have. Definitely, have like access to the great like expertise you can like afford paying some like data scientists or the other stuff. Yeah, but 
like so like our big plus is that we are good like in, let's say like, we we're more than happy to invest in china office to have like other grounds like over there in china talking to supply chain um also like we're more than happy to invest for example we have like a team of uh, 12 uh, data scientists and we are working with the data a lot we work with api integration all that stuff and definitely small and mid-sized sellers they're not investing in that so this like other pluses but what is our minuses and what our challenges is how to make sure that we are paying that much, much attention to each detail as like that entrepreneurs whom we bought this brand were, were paid yeah and this is very very interesting question because like on the operational side it's plus minus clear yeah i mean like you need to have like tools you need to have like some some processes and just go 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 you know but from the creative side like how to scale when you have these thousands of SKUs, how to make sure that your designers, your like brand managers, your like your creativity, your feeling, your touch with the audience, with you have that like clear understanding of what people are writing you in the reviews. Yeah. If you're the founder, like uh, if you're a small seller, you read uh, you read that uh, reviews by yourself. I do. I, I I I guess like you you do understand that I'm I'm not reading like even like half of those reviews. I don't even like I haven't seen them. So you need to make sure that your team at that scale with just thousands of SKUs, they have that like like you know it's like they have that sense and they pay attention in terms of like creativity. And you can like I said like, like it's much easier to scale operation excellence. But it's it's much much harder for us, for example, to scale that creativity creativity inside. Yeah, to working with all the aspects of the product, like packaging, like marketing messages, like all the details, tiny details, the tiny features in the products, to make sure that we also like at that scale of thousands of SKUs, we can deliver that. So this is like our I would say the main challenge for us. Yeah. Right. What's going to be. Um... What's your own personal goal? What do you want to see in 2022? What, what is the, what is, what's going to feel good to you that you know that you've achieved everything yeah. you set out to do this year? Like what, what's that roadmap for you? Uh, yes, it's, it's very, I'm very here, very pragmatic. Yeah. So we have like our targets in terms of like revenue, like in terms of like uh, profits, in terms of like the um, overall of like market shares in different niches. So definitely it would be like really I'd be happy and really great if, if we achieve that. But I'm like, it's just like the, let's say, outcome, yeah? But the real, like, where, where, what we were working is, you know, to to have like uh, the team processes and tools to really achieve that goals. So for me, it's like where we are focusing is to how to build a team that can work with this, like, uh, everyday like uh, like like very dynamic like and everyday changing environment yeah and 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 what tools we need to have inside like uh, like I I mean like a software or like some process or whatever to make sure that we can like embrace and we can work with the changes that happening so for example I know like Amazon changed like and right now you need to ship your products in thirty days uh when creating the shipments yeah previously it was like 90 days so right now it's like all the logistics all your like like let's say direct transportation from china to uh amazon warehouses for a lot of like brands for a lot of other brands just broken you need to to, to have like the uh like 3pl all that stuff so like and, and like, i do believe that it, it will even be changing more in like e-commerce space yeah 
And like we definitely seen like a lot of like changes for the past five years, but I do believe that we expect like even more changes. And you need to to make sure that you have like that like agile team and agile mind, and you you are like really iterating with the reality, understanding it better, not just trying to deny that. And like how to in this like particular new environment, how to win the market share, how to win margins. Mm, yeah, so this is very important for us. And it is like I do know that Amazon is changing a lot. Yeah, we've seen that all. And in terms of like the, I do believe that also like the relationship between Amazon and sellers are also evolving. And for us, it's also very important to better understand what the strategic understanding of Amazon for the sellers. Because I'm like definitely trying right now, squeezing more and more from ads. But there, there's also like some kind of like, let's say healthy margins for sellers to invest in this business. And I know like a lot of like businesses that are uh, really, really are not like stressful. They are distressed assets and they, they wouldn't like to invest more in this business. And they just like switching the, like they have some money they earned like previously on Amazon. And they just like switching to, I don't know, like to blockchain, to Bitcoin, to whatever, because like Amazon just not that uh, sexy anymore. Yeah. So, and this is what, what we see in the space and trying to, I do believe that Amazon also like very looking at and they, they really like depend on like this third party sellers community. And we do believe that they're trying to also like find the balance between the, what's the healthy like uh, performance marketing spend should be for the seller, what the health like 3PL, whatever. Because if you're squeezing like third party seller to do like everything through 3PL and you like having that expense marketing, I'm like, I don't do, definitely believe that it's like 30-40% of current sellers, they will not invest more in, in, in the business because it's just like having that much like ROI, yeah. And also like the uh, cost of like like people is increasing. So to find a great PPC manager, supply chain manager, or any other is also like increasing. So like all your overheads is, is growing. So I, I do believe that in terms of like the goals, we are very set up, but under that more about like people tools and and, and uh, processes, but just like the overall environment, overall e-commerce space, we more. Uh, I, I would be happy to 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 see more and understand more strategic how the ecosystem will work. Yeah. So what the margins is healthy, how Amazon will structure that because I mean everyone knows that like like uh, rebates and all that stuff like like fully forbidden yeah and it's even more clear after like november previous year so there's not that many tools you know to to launch new products so like like what's right right now is happening maybe you know like the vine program where it has like not 30 reviews but 60 reviews so amazon is also trying not to like just like you know squeezing like ads uh revenue but also give us new new like tools and so we also like trying to to better have like what's the what what next step like strategically for us working with amazon that makes sense well if if people wanted to learn more or if they want to kind of converse with you to, uh, nick or and in the team over there at axel club what, what's the best way to do that or reach out to you guys yeah we have a great website excel.club or you can like reach out to me like in LinkedIn or in Facebook, or just like wrote to, to our yeah to our email like um, business or acquisition at uh, excelclub.pro. So yeah, yeah. Well, make sure we put that in the comments section too. Uh, it, just in, in the in the parting here too is is there what what's one thing that surprised you most? this past year i i guess i'm curious for you and i call it the world of a thousand small paper cuts but amazon threw all these changes at you what was the biggest thing that surprised you the most in 2021 
that you hopefully will will be able to overcome this year? Um, in terms of like, uh, yeah, look, I, I would say like like definitely uh, like, like my my own focus was very much connected to the to sellers. So I wouldn't say like about like about the business and, 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 and like the Amazon itself. I would say like I really was surprised with the like different communities that are selling Amazon. So it was like really, really like like uh, great to learn that to connect with different people like in the, uh, all across the world and how like that, yeah, like what different people like selling Amazon, what different strategies they have, what different like beliefs, how it works they have. So just so, so like, like different, just like amused me because from one perspective, for a lot of people, and like for some guys, like I, I, I was, I, I'm from academic background, so I have a lot of guys who are in Princeton, in like in different like great uh, institutes all across the world. And like e-commerce looks like very simple and straightforward business, yeah. But when you're talking to different like sellers, and I talk like maybe to 400 or 500 sellers, I just was very amused like how people have different thinking about that, how, how different like, strategies they have. So yeah, I was like very amused with that. So. Yeah. It's definitely a, a market where you have to be creative and to stand yeah, out. It's, yeah. it's not as it's not as straightforward as you said, and I, I think that that kind of puts the cherry on top of what we were talking about today. Is you have to be creative in the notion that you can have a great business, but you have to be creative in order to also stand out and um, yeah. thrive in this world. So, Nick, thank you so much. I always tell people if you make it through a, a show with me, you're now becoming a friend of the podcast. So now I consider you a friend of the podcast. You're more than welcome to come back on Crossover Commerce anytime and chat all things e-commerce and Amazon with us. So thanks so much for joining. I know it's late where you're at. So have a great night. And thanks again for coming on Crossover Commerce. Yeah, thanks. No problem. And thank you everyone again for joining us live on Crossover Commerce. Again, this is episode 220 of this beautiful show called Crossover Commerce. This is my corner of the internet where I bring people like Nick of Axel Club who come on to this podcast and share just great knowledge and insights and what their kind of vision is for the feature of Amazon e-commerce. Go ahead and check them out over at axel.club. Uh, put it in the comment section. You can obviously check that out on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, or Twitter. We make sure we link out to all of our ways that you can get in touch with Nick, obviously on LinkedIn or follow him. And then also go to axel.club. I'm Ron Kramer. This is Crossover Commerce. We'll catch you guys next week. We're done with this week for podcast episodes. So we'll catch you guys next week on another round of episodes here on Crossover Commerce. Take care, everyone. Mm -hmm.